Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yes! Yes! Oh, fans. Did you hear oh, that? Oh, so many fans. Wow. No. It sounded like someone was covering their mouth when they were saying it. It's, I think it's just because he's in the back of the audience and we oh. can't hear him very well. What was it that, what did you say? Ravenloft! Oh, Ravenloft! He's excited oh. about our announcement that we just made. That's very, very awesome, oh. since this is the official yeah. Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Yes. And uh, I'm Greg Tito, and you are Shelly Mazzanoble. Yes, and I'm excited. We get to talk about the things that we announce for Dungeons & Dragons. Sure do. Like, for real, yeah. for real. Um, maybe people might have noticed a couple weeks ago, you tried to trick me into talking about this announcement. I did. I said the word shadow. You were leaving totally little hints. threw you off. Because that was our... Code name yeah. for Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Shadow. 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 Which is coming out May 18th. It's got two amazing covers. Uh, the alternate cover you can only get in game stores. It features more than 30 domains of dread. We only really focus on uh, you know eight or ten of them um, as mini settings, but we definitely describe the Dark Lord's in charge of all those domains of dread, uh, as well as all of the player-centric stuff in there, like new lineages. New subclasses. Yes, and subclasses, Mm -hmm. as well as uh, crazy monsters, and a bunch of DMs tools about how to, you know, work with different types of horror with your players safely and consensually so that no one is... Uh, put off uh, by what is happening in the game. Uh, and my favorite part about this is developing your own mm-hmm. domain of dread or perhaps combining different forms of horror genres out there that you can uh, have in your game and and uh, have it be part of the the mists connecting all of these little mini settings of Ravenloft. So much. I am so excited to play in a Ravenloft campaign. I realized after talking to Wes, as in Wes Schneider, who's the lead designer on this, we've talked about this book a lot. Um, he, I realized a few things. One, I, I'm a horror fan. What? I just need to embrace that. And you like scary things. I like scary things. I love the character options in this book book because like i know you were going to talk about lineages but i interrupted you because i got excited about the subclasses no talk about um but there are these different um these lineages that are kind of like um overlays sort of for your character like different they allow for some different um traits and abilities and things Um, you can have them at level one or you can develop them later on yeah as the as the story goes on so one of them is hex blood and or yeah is it hex wait why am I? Explode. Yeah. 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 Then that is if you're uh, connected to a hag yes. in some way. Which, I mean, I am. Like, <laughs> I have always suspected that. So I am definitely, I want to do that. I also got want some these Baba dark. Yaga in your past. 100%. The dark gifts, which mm-hmm. um, are also these uh, wonderful things that players can can choose. And it might give you a really cool power. And it, 
it might have strings attached. I don't know, but I'm here for that. I am just give me all of the dark gifts and the the creepiness and just I just want a character that is just so filled with like string just uh, strings attached to every domain of dread. I don't care. Like I'll I have packs with every dark lord out there. I just want like a marionette. Speaking of marionettes. Creepy. Why did you have to bring that up? I don't know. Uh, now I'm with the, what you're doing is reminding me of uh, our old friend. Momo? Momo. <laughs> I told you I like horror. <laughs> yeah, maybe the, that was their first clue, huh? Maybe. Oh, there's just like such cool monsters in here. And I just want to travel to all the different domains. And I just want to play. So who is DMing this for me? Who's doing it? Who who is? I don't know. Sign, Maybe are you, you can convince our guest uh, Chrissy Costanza uh, to get behind. The DM screen for the first time. She's uh, a little green, but I think maybe yep. jumping in with uh, you know this type of amazing artwork oh. and thematic storytelling around these horror genres. It's going to be really perfect for 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 new DMs and old DMs. I alike. think so. I just think, oh, you're going to have so much fun. All you dungeon masters, you're going to have so much fun. But the players are going to have a lot of fun too. Me too. Thinking the same way. Uh, you know, I love that the dark gifs will be able to help us uh, <laughs> or hinder us, as as the case may be. <laughs> I love that joke from last week. I'm, I'm going to continue to bring it back for, for this entire campaign. It still holds up. Still <laughs> holds up. It's worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk to Christy Costanza. She is uh, the singer from the group Against the Current, uh, a you know prolific video game streamer, as well as a host on uh, the channel called Ven, and new D&D player, uh, having played with uh, Friends of the Show, before Sarah Thompson as Dungeon Master, uh, as well as Anna Prosser and uh, Jimmy Wong, uh, who has done a bunch of stuff with Magic the Gathering, uh, they got to play together. And it, by all accounts, it sounds uh, pretty fun. I can't wait to ask her about it. Yes, definitely set up for success with that that group. Faux show. Faux show. Mm-hmm. Now we just need to have them be all horror-y, and uh, it'll be even more fun. I think she would love it. Also, I don't think that's the adjective form of horror. Uh, I don't think I should say horary. <laughs> I think you should be ever again. You should be very articulate when you say it. Yeah. <laughs> I saw your look and I was like, oh, no, I'm really trying to it's it's just a making up an a word. I know. I get it. I feel you. you yeah. yeah. You're, 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 you're feeling me. Yeah. Um not only do we have Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft to talk about, but Candlekeep Mysteries is coming up up soon. The release of it is coming up soon. It is March 16th. It features 17 adventures, all of which are a mystery and written by uh, some wonderful contributors, uh, some of which we'll have on the show uh, pretty soon. We get to talk to Mark Humes and Kelly Lynn D'Angelo, uh, as well as Chris Perkins and Chris Lindsay on some upcoming Dragon Talks, and we'll even learn even more about what is happening with Candlekeep Mysteries centered around the library fortress of Candlekeep. Can't wait. Can't wait for that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that is, I think that's all the stuff we really just want to make sure and head. But I know I've been talking about WizKids uh, uh, and their Boneyard miniatures uh, a whole bunch. Uh, but as someone on Twitter pointed out, 
their focus on undead monsters may not have been, uh, you know, without some some knowledge of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft coming out, as well as my own homebrew campaign. Oh. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't already, make sure to check out uh, those cool miniatures. They've got um, some amazing, horrible monsters, including Draco Liches, uh, that you can jump into. Check it out at dndmini.com, but they're all available at your local game store, and uh, there's some great incentives for mm-hmm. jumping in to get them from there, including... Uh, some cobalt skeleton miniatures that you can only get if you order through your game store. So check that oh, out. Oh, awesome. Um, also, a new issue of, of Dragon Plus came out today. I want to give that a shout yes, out because I was reading it today at lunch. And Ooh. it is chock full. There's a great uh, more previews about um, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. There is a huge feature on Candlekeep Mysteries that features all 17 of these amazing authors. And and then, like, there it is. And then tons there it is. more. There's the cover. There's a, an article in there about a gentleman who is teaching an after-school program. Who's that guy? I showed that picture He's to Quinn. Guy. He's like, what a dork. <laughs> it's a picture of Bart Carroll. A picture of his the, dad. And they're welcome to the editor. He's this like, what kid, a dork. My kid does nothing but troll us lately. And you know, he now calls refers to me as girl. Hey, girl. He does. He Can girls I get me some, all day. He's some like, Nutella? He, girl, you need to catch up. Come on, girl. <laughs> Who is girl? Who is this girl? <laughs> it's me. I'm girl. Oh. Um. But anyway, the, there is a, an article in there about uh, a, a gentleman who who teaches an after-school D&D program that, you know, I'm all over. And I started reading the article and I was getting all misty-eyed. Misty-eyed. Mist? The mists um, were calling. Yeah, the mists were calling my eyeballs. And then, so I they think I'm going to have to reach out to this person, perhaps have him be a guest on How to Be a DM. Perfect. Right? That's awesome. Uh, it's also interesting that someone on uh, Twitter today was like, when is there a new Dragon Plus coming? And then I responded soon, and I think it published maybe 30 minutes after I said soon. You're uh, a sorcerer. It made me feel like a sorcerer, exactly. You're like, like I, I am let me go see what I can do. Of the coast. That's me. I'm a wizard of the coast. Uh, Carol, when is we going to get a new issue of Dragon Plus? I'm sorry, Greg. I'm, I'm working on it. We'll work faster, Bart Carroll. Um, I'm also really excited uh, because it's a little kind of side thing that doesn't necessarily affect uh, Dungeons & Dragons out there, but there's a new cool logo for Wizards of the Coast uh, that you'll be able to check out uh, on all of our website pages. Uh, and I think it looks really awesome. I'm really proud too. to be a wizard uh, and go through the the portal and find out all of the wonderful fantasy things that are happening there. Yes, definitely check that out. That new flashy website. Lots of good stuff there. I know, right? Uh, DungeonsandDragons.com, of course. You can check it out. We'll also have uh, all the updates on Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and Candlekeep Mysteries on our social medias. Yes. Which, of course, is uh, wizards underscore D&D is where you can find most of that stuff. Uh and we'll plug it at the end of the thing like we always do. But Dragon Plus is uh, something that you should get going. We are going to be using that publication a lot more in the future. Yes, we are. And you're going to get a lot more news previews, things that, you know, maybe subscribers aren't going to have. 
So get them there first. Um, Let's jump into our segment, and uh, then we'll get to talk to Chrissy Costanza, which is going to be super fun. Okay. I think you're going to figure out how to DM right now. Um, Not only that, but I'm going to talk to uh, kind of a legend in our community, James Introcaso. And I are going to discuss Uh, one-shots because it's a topic that uh, requires multiple conversations. But also, I mean, James is kind of, he's kind of great. One-shot glory. (laughs) He had the world at his feet. (laughs) That was really Welcome to How to Be a DM. I'm Shelly Mazenoble, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. I said this to you minutes ago, and you laughed, but I did refer to you as D&D royalty because you are one of uh, the probably more well-known, more prolific uh, game designers, Um I'll just read your bio because (laughs) your bio can say it better than I can, but I'm very excited to welcome James Introcaso here to How to Be a DM. Oh, thank Um, you. I'm so excited, and it's been a long time coming, Um, but so a tabletop role-playing game designer who has worked on seven (laughs) official Dungeons & Dragons hardcover books. He's the co-creator of the Burn by RPG for Roll20, the author of the Any-Winning World Builder blog, and credited in more than 50 best-selling DMs Guild and drive through RPG products. <gasps> My God, I'm not done. Currently, James works full-time as the RPG line developer for MCDM, which is Matt Colville's production company. That is awesome. Uh, we love Matt. And this is the part that I really wanted to highlight. <laughs> Today, he's fulfilling a lifelong dream of being a guest on how to be a DM. Did you think that this was something different than what it is? <laughs> like, no. What did you actually think we were inviting you to do? <laughs> no, no. So this is really great. And I was telling my uh, my wife, Bonnie, before I, I came here, like, this for me is very big um, because, Shelly, you are actual D&D royalty, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, uh, I have a, a book with your name in it on my shelf and everything. And I have for a long time. And uh, I will say that for a long time, I was reading your column. Um, It was like what brought me to the D&D website and what made me uh, check out everything that you were doing. So um, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was very good. Um, So I think, I think that you are hilarious and a great writer uh, and a really great storyteller, um, which is why I am here to also join my voice in, encouraging you to uh, to take the leap into the dungeon master's chair i i mean we can just end it here because i feel like that is all i needed <laughs> i am ready i am ready um i feel all of those uh same things towards you um because Thank i've you. been following you and your work for for a long time and as your bio um explains you have been credited in a whole lot of really really <laughs> wonderful D D products so so, i mean you also you have my email like you know that if you ever really just want to be on how to be a dm or 
talk. <laughs> Just shoot me an email. That's awesome. That's I mean, it's great, and it is. It's a lot of fun to uh, to get to work on on D and D stuff because it's been part of my life for so long, right? Um, and so that's why it is great to like be able to to chat it up with you. And it is shocking to me that you have never run a game uh, because you're so uh, you, your your life is. <laughs> so much of this hobby right I like know. you know your your husband is bart carroll for crying out loud so yeah. uh you mm. know everything you do is D D in that house <laughs> it is it's, it's all D D 24 7 um although i feel like our son is like leaning towards magic and it's kind of hurting me <laughs> <laughs> like the, yeah those cards are really cool and they do fun stuff but have you seen this book that's right. That's right. Well, maybe he wants to win, right? Like magic is the game mm. of people who want to win. And D&D is the game of people who never really wanted anything in life. So they're like, well, we're just going to yeah. tell this story together. Yes. So that's that's how I say it. <laughs> yep. That is that is probably very true. He does. He is rather competitive. So, um, but that is neither here nor there. Uh, we are here to talk about one shots which is a topic that um, I have discussed before with the wonderful and inspiring Grant Ellis. Um, He gave me lots of great advice about it, but it's a topic that keeps coming up that people seem to keep wanting more information about, and it's a big topic, and there's a lot to talk about. So it deserves another go-round. I feel like one-shots, I think Grant and I talked kind of before the holidays, and we were thinking, the holidays are a great time for people to maybe run some one shots because you might be having a little bit more time off and friends and family maybe aren't with you in person, but you want to have reasons, you know, to get together online and maybe a one shot would be a great opportunity, but they, they go beyond seasons. One shots are perfect for, for lots of things. Um, But you can, can probably speak to that better than I can. What is the advantage of, a one shot. Like, well, why do? Why are people so excited about one shots? So I think one shots are great because, especially if you're like a busy person, right? Um, you might have a lot of friends who are also busy. Uh, so it's a great way to get together and say, we're all going to play some games together. We're going to play D&D together, but uh, we don't have the time to make a, uh, you know, weekly, monthly, bi-weekly game work. And so, but we do want to get together and play this. And so we can do it. I've done this with a lot of people that I've met in the community through, you know, Twitter or Facebook or forums or whatever. Um, and it's a great way to like, hey, this is, you know, we're, we're hanging out, we're getting to know each other. Um, and we don't have then the commitment of a longer schedule. Uh, it's also a great way for people to try out um, big ideas or wacky concepts, right? Like maybe you have an idea for something that is a level 20 adventure, right? And you can just skip and go right to level 20, which a lot of people don't ever get to play in D&D and you can do it that way. Or maybe you want to try to build an adventure concept around something that wouldn't be sustainable for like an entire campaign, but it would work as an adventure, right? Like maybe you, I don't know, let's say you love The Bachelorette 
just for instance. <laughs> I don't right? know. It's going to be hard for me. To guess, I'll try. I'll try. Um, you could create a, an adventure based on The Bachelorette that could be fun for fans of the show and you and your friends to like get together and play this Bachelorette adventure, right? And maybe that wouldn't be sustainable as a, uh, a campaign thing. Maybe it would. I'm not sure. I don't. Uh, I am not a Bachelorette fan, sadly. I think it would, actually. Um, so, you know, maybe it would. But if but this is great testing ground for it as well, right? Like you, you and your friends can dip your toe in and see like, do we like this marriage of these two things? Oh, we do. And we're going to go for, you know, 24 seasons and go from there. Would you give this one shot a rose perhaps? Yes, and, exactly. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like the idea of it as, as a testing ground yeah, yeah, I think it is a really great place uh, for that. And then it's also even more so a testing ground for new players, right? Mm-hmm. I do think um, I've gotten a lot of new players into the hobby by saying like, this is low commitment. It's it's all going to happen in one night. It's not a TV series. It's a movie, right? And that's yeah. the way we think of one shots, right? Is like, uh, this is one film rather than a weekly TV show that we're going on. And so if you play D&D and you decide you don't like it, then guess what? You're not locked in then for to this long thing. But if you do like it, eh, well, then we can keep playing again. And it's always the latter then, right? But people have yeah. that fear of like, I don't have time. How am I going to make this work? And one shots are the perfect way to do that. So I love the analogy of it's a it's a movie, not a TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so two questions from that. What do you think? And is there like an ideal time frame for a one shot? Is it like, I mean, like, oh, if you go past four hours, it's you're in a campaign now. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> what? What's the ideal timing? Yeah, so I do think, I think for D&D sessions, right, like a two to four hour session is good for most people with some breaks in there and everything. Um, And I think that holds true for one shots, right? Um, Now, obviously, your mileage may vary with all the advice that we're going to talk about today, right? Um, It may be different, but I think for a lot of people, two to four hours is great. And it can be difficult to track your time and, uh, and pack the entire story of the movie or the one shot yeah. into that uh, into that time frame, and so uh, time management is kind of a, a big thing when it comes to one shots, more so than when it comes to a campaign, because you can always, if you don't get done what you thought you were going to get done in a campaign, you can always pick it up next time you play, right? Um, and so that's probably one of the biggest things is like, okay, you've got two hours, you've got six players. That's, you know, if we start dividing up how much, how many minutes does everybody get to speak, right? Yeah. It's not a ton. Um, and so figuring out that balance, I think, is uh, is really important. So I think for a lot of new Dungeon Masters, time management is in the pacing is probably something that is feels a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if it's, like you said, a campaign, you have you have time to, like, build things out or, oh, they didn't get to this cool thing I was planning we'll do it next week but in a one shot like you really do have to pack it all in so how are there like um like signposts like that you build into your adventure as a dungeon master like they have to get to this place within 45 minutes or something I don't know 
Yeah. How, how so, do you pace it? That's a great question, right? I like to, uh, if I'm writing the adventure, right, if, if it's something that I'm preparing, um, I usually do it in just like an outline, you know, with broad strokes or whatever. Um, uh, or if it is a, a published adventure, I will break them down into like scenes, right? Like, okay, so this is the first okay. scene, this is the second scene. And then I will look at the time we have and say like, this is how much time we have, I think, about for each scene, right? And maybe you know, 20 minutes for st the start. Uh, uh, I think combats generally, if it's a combat encounter, you want to count on at least 30 minutes if it's um, like an easy or medium encounter, according to the Dungeon Master's Guide sort of encounter building rules. And if it's a hard or more complicated encounter that maybe has like a lot of terrain effects or traps or something like that, 45 minutes, I think, to an hour uh, for those encounters is usually pretty good to, to count on. Um, and so I'll, I'll sort of plot it out that way and I'll have my idea like, okay, as we're going, I'm watching the clock. But I also don't want to, if we're all having fun with a scene, right? I don't want to think like, well, that's 20 minutes and your time's up. And so now we need to move on. Everybody's having a good time. There's no point in like pushing us away from the scene. So I also will have cuts ready. Um, and I start those at the back of the adventure, right? So like, I know often, right, you want it to end in a climactic clash or with a dramatic rose ceremony or something <laughs> else, right? Um, uh, some dramatic sort of climax that you're building to, right? And you're beginning, right? Those are sort of your essential point A to point B. But everything that happens in the middle, um, I think are places where you should be able to cut, right? And should be able to say like, okay, um, I, if we need to lose this scene, that's okay. Um, and I like to put those as far back and as close to point B as possible because you don't like at the beginning of the adventure, you don't know if you're going to run out of time or not. Right. So you can't yeah. cut stuff at the beginning as well as you can at the end. Um, and I will often think about those things like, uh, you know, for instance, if you have uh, a dungeon crawl and while they're spending all of this time at the beginning of the dungeon in your adventure, there's no reason the dragon has to wait at the back of the cave. If the dragon hears intruders are coming, uh, maybe, hey, look, the, the end boss has come to you. You didn't have to get to them because they're mad that you have been trashing all the kobolds in their dungeon. And here they are to, to battle you, right? Um, and so I think having those points and knowing, oh, I want to end up at point B, how can I bring point B forward if we're running short on time is important. It's like, okay, so every every time I have one of these conversations, somebody says something, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, but I think if new some new dungeon masters are probably like me and we feel like, you know, there's like a schedule and a, you have to stay very close to your notes. And right. we, when you have that, that mindset, then you forget that there's some very simple... Um, fixes like we're running out of time there's this big boss fight that needs to happen i'll just bring the monster out like that's just yes of course that makes so much sense that makes so much sense yeah yeah and it's a it is a hard thing to learn right and i think like you know adventurers league writes their modules with um times in them because those are often one shots that are made to be played at a convention in a time slot that is yeah. very strict because you need to clear out for the next group that's going to come in and sit at that table um but 
they're also very good about saying, you know, these are suggestions. And if you have to skip a scene or you have to cut a scene short or uh, one scene goes longer than the others, that's fine, right? And I think it is important to let GMs know that like, yeah, even when you're running published stuff, you're not going to mess anything up. Um, if all that happens is your group spends the entire time in the tavern, right? And they have a blast in the yeah. tavern the whole time. Then you ran a great game of D&D. Right. <laughs> like, then that's really the whole point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the other thing is if you're cruising, you know, and, and you're clicking along and uh, like, hey, you're way ahead of schedule. Um, you can prepare, you know, some optional encounters to drop in if you want to. Or if your game wraps up 20 minutes early, but everybody had a blast, that's also great, right? Like everybody's time is valuable and it means you can spend more time than like doing the chill thing, catching up, talking to people about, you know, their new haircut or uh, their new job or uh, uh, the next game that they want to play, whatever it may be, right? So it's also okay to end a little early if everybody is having fun. Like it's it's the old stand-up comedy, leave them laughing, yeah. right? Leave them right. having a good time. Um, and so better to do it that way than to go too long. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so you don't have, again, there's not that much time here. So how, just judging from what, how you were saying, like, you should leave 30 minutes for this type of encounter, except, like, do you think, is there a sweet spot for, like, you want to get two to three encounters in or one? <laughs> like, like if I'm building this from, from scratch or, or a la carte, like, how, mm -hmm. how many do you think is good for players? So I think... It really, this really does depend on your group and, and what you're doing, right? Some one-shots uh, involve very little or no combat encounters, right? Um, and I think that's fine, right? Like, if all you're doing is is rolling skill checks and uh, having, uh, you know, uh, weird uh, foot race competitions or that kind of thing, uh, I think that's good. But you probably know your group if that's what they like, right? I think for the average D&D group or for a group that you're not, expecting right to to play i would say for like a two-hour game you want to make sure that you have at least one big combat right when we look at D, &D um a lot of the rules that and a lot of your class abilities are combat based and stuff right it's a game that runs combat very well and very cinematically and so i think if that's what you're if that's what your players are hankering for you want to give them like that one really big one um, and possibly two, right? If you can get them two, great. Uh, in in like a four hour, what I like to say is like, take the number of hours you're going to play, subtract one. That's probably about how many combats oh. the average D&D &D adventure might have, right? Um, you might have yeah. one le one fewer depending on the, the content. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a good, uh, just like a, a basic sort of, rule to look at. It's not a law. Uh, you don't feel like you need to stick to that, but I do think one is good. And I also think that with one shots, you can really turn up the difficulty then. Um, uh, so like you could have a hard or a deadly encounter there because players aren't going to like pause and then come back next week to without a rest to continue, right? Like you can really try to drain your players of resources that way. Do you feel like players, when they're in a one-shot, like they they play more fast and loose with their characters? 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's the, I, I know I certainly do. Right. Um, and I think as a, as a GM, that's another reason you can turn up the difficulty is you've got that, uh, like, Hey, I, I only live once. <laughs> uh, right. I don't have to come back next week. And one of the best ways to be remembered in D and D is to have like a ridiculous over the top death or to do something that is over the top and succeed at it against all odds. And so I think during one shots, you're way more likely to put yourself in that position. Um, just like you're way more likely to have a gimmick character, right? We, you're more likely to run a gimmick adventure as a one shot because you can, and the gimmick won't get old. Um, you're more likely to run a character who uh, has some sort of gimmick or is an obvious ripoff of like, you know, Wonder Woman or Frodo Baggins or whatever. Um, because, well, you're only going to play this character once. So it's great. We can all make the joke about, you know, Sir Fartface if we need to. <laughs> You'll need to. For right. Sure. <laughs> um, okay, so more about the players. Because one of, as, you know, a dungeon master, I want them to feel invested in this game, even if it is only going to be one time and only a couple of hours. And I think one of the best ways to do that is for them to be invested in their characters. So yeah. how do I get them invested in characters that they're only, that I know they're going to be playing fast and loose with, <laughs> and they're only probably going to play one one time with? How do you yeah. How do you do that? So there's two things that I like to do. Um, the first is like, if your one shot can have a, a goal, right? And I do think having a, a solid, Grant talked about this in his episode, having a solid, easy to understand goal for the players, like um, kill the bad guy, get the thing, save the person, break out of prison, whatever it is, right? A, a simple goal that they can understand is really good. Now that doesn't mean you can't have twists and turns. You can totally have the, the person you're supposed to save turns out to be the bad guy or that kind of thing. Um, but that goal, I think, helps if it is either mercenary in nature, um, or actually it should be both mercenary in nature and like a noble deed for D&D. &D. Because most characters are either in it for the good deeds, they want to be heroes, or they're in it for the money. And so you've covered like 90% of character motivations if it can be like a, hey, we'll pay you to stop a bad thing from happening, right? That's... But you've, you've got a lot of motivations covered there. And then the second thing to do is, um, rather than have characters come with a prepared backstory, you set that up in the table in the first five minutes and you say like, okay, you know, this town is at risk or this dog needs to be saved. And go around the table and tell me, why, why is this town important to you? Who, who lives here who matters to you? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, um, why is this dog important to you? Tell me about like a meaningful interaction you had with this dog one time, right? And now all of a sudden the players come up with it themselves, um, why their characters are invested uh, in this story. What is the personal stake? And that immediately raises the stakes them for them too, right? Like we've got to go save this dog because uh, he saved my little brother when he fell through the ice and started to drown. Okay, that's really cool. I like that a lot. Because I, I, one of the other things I wanted to ask you is, do you do anything with character backstories? Do you do anything with like how characters are linked together? But I I mean, that, that kind of solves that. If you're asking them like, about their, tie, their connection to a town or to a dog or to a person in that town, you, you are kind of exploring. 
little yeah. bit of their backstory. Yeah, exactly, right? And that lets them develop the character kind of organically throughout the mm-hmm. adventure because they've decided they have this connection. Uh, and now they're all connected to each other because they have the connection to the town or that sort of thing. Um, you can also ask them right at the beginning, how do, how do you know each other? The person to your right has saved your life some way. Um, tell me how, right? And that can also then create this bond that they all have very suddenly. It, that's a great idea. And I like... that for new players especially because if you say like tell me how you know each other like that could it seems like a simple thing but it's kind of overwhelming to a new player like now I'm on the spot and I have to (laughs) role play and I have to figure out can I don't know how we know each other but like I like that you're like this person has saved you in in your life at one point like what was it giving them that little prompt yeah, yeah, really exactly, cool. exactly. And, it, you know, then immediately, oh, wow, I owe this person my life, <laughs> right? Like, I, yeah. they, we, and we've all saved each other in some way. And so now we're, we're off to the races. We trust each other and we're good to go, yeah. And I also think, I do think starting, uh, if you do have new players, um, or even for a new GM, right? If you're a new GM, uh, even if your players are old hat, um, starting at level one, is good because the game is less complicated at level one, right? Characters mm-hmm. are less complicated. Monsters that uh, they generally face at those levels are less complicated. Um, and so challenges can be very simple, right? Crossing a, a chasm is a lot harder at level one than it is at level five when people can fly and stuff. Um, so I think that's the that's like a, a good thing to do. And then another good thing to do in your one shots if you have new players is to start with the basic concepts and build from there, right? So start with ability checks and skill uh, checks and uh, casting spells before you get into combat so that they understand... Oh. Roll a d20 and add a modifier is how this game is built. And now now I understand in combat, roll a d20, add a modifier. Now I get to roll another one of these dice, and that's cool, right? Wait, so. say that again? All right, so you want... I like that. That I mean, I, I, I get why it's important, but how, all right, how would I work that in before combat if I want to get them used to that? Right. So, um, so like one of the things that you could do is, uh, if you were in a, a prison break like scenario, right, you all start in jail and you've all got to escape or you're in a, uh, caved in dungeon. Um, and now you've got to move the rocks, right? So first thing we're going to do is move these rocks. You tell me how you're going to move the rocks. Oh, you're going to lift them. Okay. That's an athletics check. And here's how okay. a strength athletics check yep. works, right? And we learn about the D20. We learn about adding a modifier. We learn about uh, adding your proficiency bonus to your strength modifier if you're proficient in it, right? All that kind of stuff. Um, And so then, oh, we've moved the rocks and whoa, uh uh-oh, looks like there's, you know, uh, a a bugbear there and they're going to kill you. Um, So now we're into combat and that's how that works. Would you let a player use, like, could they magic missile the rocks? Like, would you let them use spells just to do things outside of combat? Yeah, absolutely. I would, um, you know, basically uh, anything that the player wants to try that I think sounds cool, um, I I basically let happen, right? Because either it's going to happen and it will be a great story or it's going to fail spectacularly and that's yeah. also a, a great story. So, um, you know, I am definitely of the uh, Matt Mercer, you can certainly try school of thought when a player comes up with a, a original idea. Yeah. You got to reward those original ideas, sometimes with a failure, but it's still a reward. 
Yeah, um, right. And that player, they're using a magic missile that they could use somewhere else. Um, so it's good to make it just as useful uh, in the blowing up the rock situation as it would be yeah. in blowing up a bugbear. So would you recommend for a new dungeon master to, if they want to do a one-shot, to try to build something a la carte or to do a published adventure? What do you think is the best course? So I do think it's about kind of what excites the dungeon master most. So if they have an idea that's really exciting or they have a concept that they feel comfortable with, right? Like that's one reason why I bring up um, The Bachelorette with you is because you would probably feel very comfortable improving yes. an episode of The Bachelorette, right? Um, and so I think if you have something you feel really comfortable with, that's a great thing to do because then if the players surprise you and do something you're not expecting, you're still ready for it because you still know how this kind of story works. Um, that said, that's why published adventures are great, right? So if you don't have a great idea, uh, having the support of a published adventure is good. And they're easier to prep because you just basically read them and go. Um, and there are a lot of really good adventure collections out there on the DMs Guild um, that uh, and on drive through that people can check out. I know you have you had Ashley Warren on um, uh, before. She's the author of the Uncaged Anthology series, which is many, many adventures, um, uh, you know, and that's one great one that has a ton of awesome adventures across all levels. So you could find level one for new players or uh, higher than that if you wanted something higher than that. Uh, and I have like a whole list of stuff, right, that uh, that you can pull from. Um, the, the Book of Seasons, The Princess Project, if you're into princess things, Unbridled is a collection of hag and unicorn-themed adventures that nice. uh, was inspired by a Jeremy Crawford tweet. <laughs> um, unicorns. Yeah, Exit Pursued by an Owlbear is uh, is great if you like uh, Shakespeare. Um, so they're all Shakespeare-inspired uh, adventures based on Shakespeare plays. Uh, uh, M.T. Black and J.B.C. Parry are two uh, prolific adventure writers who put out Definitely. collections that are cheap. Um, and then uh, I led the design of a uh, of something called Tactical Maps Adventure Atlas. So uh, a while ago, Wizards of the Coast put out... Um, tactical maps that you can, you know, like unfold or you can uh, buy them in Roll20 and they, you know, uh, load up on the virtual tabletop of your choice, actually. I think there are a couple places that have them. Uh, and then we wrote four short adventures that go along with each of these 22 maps, right? Wow. Um, and so, like, the prep is all done for you. You don't even need to draw out your maps. Those are good to go, right? And it, it continues. Unbreakable Anthology is... Uh, all uh, Asian American authors um, who put out a, a book of uh, Asian themed uh, adventures. Um, and actually, I'm sorry, uh, they're not all Asian American. Some of them are from Canada. Some of them are from other places in the world as well. That's really great. Uh, I know you had Mike Shea on. He writes mm -hmm. a bunch of uh, adventure collections, fantastic adventures and stuff like that. So um, there's a lot of resources out there that, that people can check out for one shots as well. That's amazing. There's yeah. so much. Yeah, I love how there's basically like, and I actually think that there are some Bachelor-themed adventures out there. Um, Chris Lindsay sent me one that was like, yeah, this yeah. might be what tips me over. <laughs> well, uh, and it would be the the best of, of both worlds, right? And there's a lot of people who put up things um, 
for free, too, that you can explore. And you should feel free to tear those adventures apart and make them work for you. Um, One of my favorites is called A Wild Sheep Chase. um, And it's by Winghorn Press. I think they put it on the DMs Guild for free. uh, And it is... uh, The adventure starts with the talking sheep. uh, And it gets weird and fun from there. So, yeah. It's good stuff. something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we covered a lot of ground here. We did. We did. So are you ready? Is this, is, are we getting the commitment here from you, Shelly? I feel like I'm readier. (laughs) I do feel like one shots are definitely um, where I need to focus because obviously, like, if it goes spectacularly wrong, Mm -hmm. don't have to worry about it. Um, I like the freedom that the one shots offer i don't have to i mean like i want to be a good dm and i want characters to be invested and i want their backstories woven in in super cool ways and all that and i can't start there i can't i think i need to just start with a you're all strangers to me and (laughs) who knows where you're gonna go so it definitely i feel like you you have given some good uh reasons for one shots to be where i start Definitely. And I think, like you said, you know, it's a it's a low risk to you, um, mm-hmm. just as it would be to uh, to players and stuff. And I think the other thing to remember is that, like, your players want to have a good time. They're not actively going to work against you. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think they're going to want you to succeed as a GM just as much as you're going to want them to succeed and have a good That's time. Sweet. <laughs> I just want them to have fun. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who who on the Watsi staff you play with, obviously. Um, so there is some yeah. real jerks there who might, uh, who totally. might try to trip you up. <laughs> I, I can definitely think of some people that are not going to be participating in my first game. That's oh. not true. They're all so mm-hmm. nice. They really are. <laughs> yeah, you have a great crew. A great crew. Um, speaking of great crews, you're great. And, oh, thank you. Uh, so are you. I know that you are, are just a... Uh, you are a great resource for for players and for dungeon masters, and there's probably other topics that maybe you and I could could talk about on a future segment. So don't be a stranger. If anything, Won't. like you know, uh, inspires you that you want to share or want to talk about, please feel free to shoot me an email. Let me know. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. Yeah, it's always great talking with you. New sometimes new dungeon masters don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So. That's true. We lean That's on, true. on new experts for that. Well, and sometimes game designers learn great things from new dungeon masters because we've been so close to the game yeah. for for so long. You know, we're we're in it all the time, and so it's great to chat with people to see what their concerns and questions are, so we can make better things to support you. That sounds great all around. So, if people do want to find out what you're working on, or uh, send you a, a note of gratitude for all the things that you have worked on. Um, where Where's the best place for people to find you? So uh, Twitter is the best place to find me. Uh, it's just my name, James uh, Intracasso, I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Uh, so uh, and that's where I am. Um, you can check out uh, Fantastic Lairs, which is a book of 23 one-shot adventures I just released with there we go. Uh, the aforementioned Mike Shea, Sly Flourish, and uh, Scott Gray, who is... 
been working on D&D for years and years and amazing. So Dream um, team right there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and also, um, uh, if you're interested in one-shot adventures and GM advice, I do work for MCDM and we just put out Arcadia, um, which is a, a magazine uh, that we deliver through Patreon and through our store and stuff. And it has one-shot adventures in it, so you can check out stuff there. So, all right. If one shots are your jam, Dungeon Masters, you've got a lot of resources here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And hit me up anytime. I love to talk uh, one shots in D&D. So this is great. Oh, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so excited you got to talk to James in Trocaso, one of my favorite people in the Dungeons & Dragons world. Me too. And that was super fun. And, you know, I'm just waiting for my copy of the Essentials Kit to arrive. I think think that might be... um, I think I might be almost ready. I think you can shoot your shot. You can do it. I mean, why not? If I just have Quinn and Bart... And just do some practice encounters. I think, I think I need to learn from my last terrible experience. And don't be so prepared. Be yeah. less prepared. And I think it'll just be better. That's what I've been trying to uh, show you by doing our little five minute sessions at the end of each one of these things. It's not you don't need any prep at all. Yeah, I know, and that really makes me nervous. You don't know how nervous I am when we're doing those sessions because I know he's, I'm thinking he has no idea what's going on. He has no idea what's happening. <laughs> How is it going to work? Well, you're and yet you're it thinking works. about it. Yes. Well, that's not. You should just be thinking about what you're doing. I that's know. What makes it so great. You don't got to worry for two roles. No, I just think you know. It's it just. I'm not there yet, so it it boggles my mind that a dungeon master can just be like, "Sure, let's play. Let's see what happens." Let's make stuff up. That's what playing pretend is all about. Exactly. Uh, and I think that is on display uh, when we talk to Chrissy Costanza because, uh, you know, she certainly had uh, some of that trepidation, but jumped all in. And I can't wait to hear about it. Me too. Everyone, let's welcome Chrissy Costanza to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Hello. So excited. Woo-hoo! Welcome. We're excited too. Our studio audience is going nuts. Yes. <laughs> raving. Come on. Wow. So keep you guys keep it down. Keep it down. <laughs> it's crazy over here. The studio audience being my dog puppy. Oh, I'm yeah. so jealous. My Aww. puppy's back in New Jersey with my family. So Aww. I know. I need I need a dog here in LA. That's uh that's my next miss- mission. Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh dogs are very very useful. Yes. Luckily, and and yeah, a you pandemic. can find them. <laughs> yes. They're out, they're out yeah. there. Just welcome them in from the street. They might be coyotes, but, you know, it doesn't matter. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. They're dogs. It's dog-like. <laughs> Fur. Yeah. Yes. Cuddly. Cuddly, warm, all good. All good. Mesticate anything with food, you know? Seriously. Exactly. Uh, so we're so excited to talk to you. I mean, a lot of folks may recognize you from uh, singing in the band uh, Against the Current, as well as in the gaming world, performing for League of Legends at the World Championship uh, in 2017. I remember uh, seeing yeah. all of those crazy... Wasn't that the one with the VR Yeah, uh, the VR dragon happening? or the AR dragon. Yeah, that was like one of the first times um, AR was used like that in a live stream uh 
space. And it was, it was really crazy being a part of that experience and watching that and all the nerves the night before being like, is it going to work? Is it going to, is it going to come out? Like, you know, millions of people are watching this live. Like is, you know, the production teams like freaking out and me just sitting there like, sure. Like, I hope it all works. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep singing. Yeah. Regardless. I'll be there. Um, Millions of people, like literally millions of people were listening to you. Yeah. That's crazy, right? Oh, was, I was terrified. I don't usually get stage fright anymore because I've been in a band since I was 15 and performing even before that. So like stage fright is is really foreign to me at this point because it's just, you know, it's just, you do something enough times. It's just, it is what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a totally different experience. And the stage was massive. It was like, mm-hmm. it was so big. It, getting from one end to another was exhausting and uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh my God, am I going to hit the mark on time? There were so many other things to think about because my band is, we're a rock band. So when we play a show, there's there's no choreography. There's no like timing. Uh, well, I mean, there's timing of the music, but there, you know what I mean? There's no, things aren't planned. It's a little bit more fluid, but this was like, okay, you have to hit this mark at this point and this mark at that point. And then there was a couple little moves in there and, uh, you know, you have to be here for this camera and here for that camera at this moment, want to hit right here. And then don't go here. Cause the cryo goes off then. And it was like, Oh Ugh. my God, like how I don't have any brain power left to think about singing. <laughs> That's yeah. the easiest part of the job, right? Yeah. <laughs> at that point. There- yes. Those of uh, you listening didn't get to see all of the uh, dance moves that you were just doing, like, you know, almost by rote that you were remembering, like, there's the moves that you had to do. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I was like, and it was it was so minimal, the amount of dance moves. It was like literally just like a little arm movement. But like, I can't dance for shit. Like, I am terrible <laughs> at dancing. I am an awful dancer. So when they were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to throw just like a couple little moments of choreography in there. I was like, oh, no, this is this is not good. You say up, I go down. Like, this is not, this is not a good <laughs> situation. Stage left or stage, stage down, up down? Oh, it was I like, is, is it stage left or is it left left? Like, which left are we talking about? Yeah. And especially on a stage like that, where it was massive, but also in the center of the stadium, I was like, I don't even know which way the front is. So, yeah. Yeah. No, too much. I'm yeah. with you on the, no, no rhythm, no, no instincts either <laughs> yeah. when it comes to dancing. Ooh. I, was a theater major and it was uh, I also can't sing. Oh, okay. so all, all I can all I can really do is memorize. I'm really good at memorizing things. So I was like, oh. yes, I'll memorize lines. Sure, I can do that. I did but, theater in high school, but I was I'm the opposite. Can't memorize lines, but also can't dance. But you're also and can't like, really crazy talented either. So there was all the odds were against me there. Yeah, but you can sing really well. Sometimes, I think, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I feel like that could carry you over the maybe not being able to, to dance that well. We'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> That's so you, why I was in rock music. I was like, I, I definitely yeah. would never, would be the world's worst pop star. So. so how did this partnership with Riot Games come to be? Yeah. So I actually had been playing League of Legends for years at that point. I started playing when I was probably like 16 or 17. I think it was either the end of season two or the beginning of season three that I started playing. And um, our manager at the time also played League of Legends um, and a bunch of our friends. And I don't know how he, he came in contact with some of the guys at Riot. I think through our producer at the time had like 
grown up with some of the guys in the music department at Riot. And we started having these conversations. And at the time, I loved the game, but I had no concept of the esports space whatsoever. So I didn't know what the opening ceremony was. I didn't know what Worlds was. Um, I didn't know about pro gaming in any kind of way. Um, and they just basically started saying, you know, we we do a song every year, our world's anthem, and we would love for you to do a demo of it. And we were like, cool, this is amazing. Yeah, sure, I love this game. Um, but I didn't really realize what was at stake at that moment. I was just really excited because I loved the video game so much. And I was like, oh my God, I would love to be part of this, this world, this universe. So we did the, we cut a demo and then we actually ended up cutting another demo. And then finally it was like, okay, you, you're going to do the song and you're going to perform at the opening ceremony. And I'm like, cool, what's that? And then they showed us the video of Imagine Dragons performing in 2014. And I was like, what, what, like, what, what is this? Cause this is, you know, and that's two and a half years ago at that point too. And they're like, yeah, so we're going to be performing at the bird's nest, which is the Olympic stadium in Beijing. And I was just, I think my jaw hit the floor. I was like, wait, I'm sorry. What? And they're like, yes, it'll be, we'll have 50,000 in attendance, but then it live broadcast to tens of millions of people. And I was like, I was like, I wanted to throw up, but also like scream in excitement at the same time, because I was like, what is this? What is this world? Because I just at that point had just been fumbling around in the game, like loving the game, such a big fan of the game. I, I was playing with pro players that we were, were mutual friends because my band started, we did a lot of YouTube covers in the beginning. And um, a lot of, for some reason, a lot of the YouTube cover artists were friends with some of the League of Legends pro players. And so I would play with these pro players and have no idea who they were. And like other people would be nice. like, you're playing with Medios? He's the best jungler in North America. And I was like, he's so nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, just, he always he gets me mine. Um, so it was one of those things where it was like a roller coaster. And it, I didn't really realize the magnitude of it until I walked <clears throat> into that stadium for the first time. And then I was like, this is no joke whatsoever. This is different than anything else in the world. So then that is mind blowing. It crazy. is really mind blowing. But I'm trying to connect the dots now to a few years later. You are streaming and mm-hmm. uh, it, on uh, this uh, broadcaster network called Ven, mm-hmm. uh, and th- then you get introduced to Dungeons and Dragons. Is that right? Yes, yes. So I I was streaming, and then um, yeah, the so last uh, I guess last year they I, Ven started reaching out to me about you know hosting a show called Guest House. And then I started hosting a show called Guest House and, you know, different guests come in and we play all different games. We play whatever, we build the show around the guest. And uh, one of our guests coming up was Anna Prosser. And Anna Prosser is obviously huge in the Dungeons and Dragons universe world. Like she's amazing. Um, She's wonderful as a human being. Um, And it was like, okay, uh, Chrissy, have you ever played D&D before? And I was like, no, never. I've always wanted to. But I never had um, friends that played growing up. Where I grew up, I didn't even have friends that played video games. So I, yeah, I was kind of just in my own world. Um, So I made my character beforehand and everything. And I was so nervous because, you know, it's all like, it's like jazz. It's all like freeform, you know, there's not really, (laughs) there is a rule book, but you have to do everything. Like you have to make everything up yourself, like in terms of like what you do and 
And it's, and the first time I was doing it wasn't like in a small room with my friends. It's on a live stream with like this legend in the space. (laughs) And I had so much fun. It was literally like the best experience. I was, uh, we got about halfway through the first campaign because we were doing a very small campaign in the first episode. And I was like, I, I could not wait to get to the second half of like to the next episode to do the second half of the campaign. I was like, but what's upstairs? Like, I need to know. <laughs> it was so much fun. Oh, it was amazing. That's so that cool. That is, that, no, I'm, I'm just, I, I love, I've, I'm just, I just love that you, you, your first experience was great. something you always wanted to do. And, yeah. and of course having Anna be there to guide you through it is yeah. not going to hurt for sure. And she's amazing too. And she's also just like very comforting to be around um, yeah. because like I said, you know, putting yourself out there on a live stream, not knowing anything and me not be, me being like, can I do this? Like, I don't know if I can do, I think that's half the thing for any beginner with D&D. And that's what everybody told me is just getting over the fear of just trying to do something. And if you can't, you can't, it's not that big a deal, but of course, like everyone wants to be good at whatever they're doing you know you don't want to look like stupid or um and Anna was so good at guiding me through it and like setting me up to do things so I didn't have to completely uh think of things from scratch and uh creating a a relationship between our characters so I could always be playing off of her so it was I feel very lucky that my first D&D experience was with her that's awesome. I just love the fact that you were talking about not having stage fright about you know. Know, getting up in front of people <laughs> and then, you know, uh, maybe a little bit in this in, when there were millions watching in the bird's nest. But, you know, to have the nervousness about like, oh, I don't know if, what it's like to play d and I just think that's so relatable for, <laughs> for everybody out there. Dude, that's, I was I'm honestly before the show, like uh, when our producer at the time was is one of my best friends. We game together every night. And before the sh- before that show, I was like, oh my God, I am so nervous for this episode. And I was never nervous for an episode of the show. I was like, I'm so nervous. What if I sound stupid? What if I mess <laughs> up? What if I like break yeah. the rules? Like I was, I was so nervous, but it was so much fun. It was, I like, literally, I was like, this is everything to me. Yeah, I think that's those are very common fears, and I still, yeah. after years of playing, I still go into every game like, what if I'm dumb? What if I <laughs> do something stupid? Like it's just you just you just care, right? Yeah. I'm curious what. So you had you had not played, but you said you had expressed or wanted to play, but didn't yeah. have friends that did. Did you go into it with any preconceived notions of what the game was going to be like, and and realized that it was much different than that? Yeah, I I really actually knew nothing about the gameplay itself, like how the game actually played. Um, so a lo- I think the thing that was most challenging for me was understanding like when to roll and what to roll for yeah. and like in and also choosing your actions based on what skills I had. You know what I mean? So because I would rather roll on this where I have plus four rather than that, that I don't have any proficiency in. And that was the thing that was the most, I think, um, the most overwhelming. But like I said, I had someone like Anna there and also Sarah, our DM, who were, they were very much, um, they're very patient with me, but also willing to be like, 
hey, maybe don't do that. Maybe do this because this is your character and your character is good at this and you'll get a much better role there. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, that was, um, because I think before I didn't understand how the game was structured. I think I, I knew it was a lot. Of, it was role play. It was, you know, very, you create the world yourself, you create your character, you create your story. So I was like, how are the rules? What are the rules? And um, I didn't realize how actually structured it can be. And I was, so it was, it was really, really cool to, to get to do that. And uh, I don't know, I think the game's just genius. I think it's so genius. And I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm like, my friends and I are planning a campaign and I'm like, I'm so excited. I can't like, I'm like literally buzzing thinking about it. I cannot <laughs> wait to play more because I haven't played since that. Nice. Well, what, uh, what was your character that you created for, for that? You were stressed about it and, and making it, but how did it end up, uh, you know, fulfilling that, that fantasy for you? So I made, uh, I think the most fun that I had was kind of creating a personality. Uh, her name was, uh, Katana and she, um, she was a little like rogue, uh, assassin. I think she was a tiefling, mm. I believe. Um, nice. but then I made her like very like creepy and awkward. Like she walks like kind of like, like kind of leaned over and like creeps around throughout the corners. And, and it, it went really well with, um, with Anna's character, Harith, because she, uh, Harith kind of like took the lead and was like my mentor and then I would like kind of sneak around and creep behind Harith and like follow Harith wherever they went so it was uh it was really fun getting to like create that dynamic and create a character that was not like me at all was really fun too because I really wanted to challenge myself to not just create myself into the game. That's good because that's a, usually what a lot of uh first-time players do myself included is just yeah. like oh this is this is my little, uh, mm -hmm. you know, wish fulfillment fantasy, uh, you know, yeah. that, that we all want out there. And then it's only after people get a little bit more comfortable with the uh, with the rules or or bored with that specific uh, character mm -hmm. type that they branch out. But I love that you were like, no, I want to go full on in. I love that you even changed your your uh, like uh, posture a little bit, <laughs> yeah, because that sometimes little things like that are all you need to uh, really bring a character to life. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm, it was definitely helpful to watch. Uh, like more of that came out the more I watched Anna paint the picture of how her character was. And we were also playing with Jimmy Wong and Jimmy, you know, uh, would uh, paint the picture of his character. And then I realized, oh, there are like these, I can add these little like textural elements that um, that are just fun to add, I guess. Like, you know, Jimmy's character was kind of like rough and, and, and like, uh, jaded and and Anna was like very like prideful and stood very straight up and and then I was like oh what what should I how should how should my character like appear like what's what's their stance and then I was like I just I don't know for some reason I was like I just want her to be a weirdo I want her to be so like a little bit of like a little freaky like a little like just creeping around skulking everywhere because Anna and Jimmy's characters both kind of had this more like regal strong powerful energy to them so I was like also, additionally, like what what's kind of opposite of that? What can I do that would be very different? Because my other natural incl inclination is like just kind of adopt what they're saying as well. And I'm like, okay, I have to I have to push myself out of that. I have to push myself out of my comfort zone. 
Wow. Yeah. You threw yourself into it for sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, I really, cause like I said, I had wanted to play for so long and I have a group of friends that play and who are always, you know, they were saying like, oh yeah, once we finish this campaign, but they were on a really long campaign. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I was like, I was like, I really just want to go for it. I want to go all the way in. Um, there was one moment in the campaign where we were fighting these like skeletal horses and I was like, can I try and swing up onto the horse? And this was like a half hour in. And they were like, yeah, roll for this. And so I, I rolled and I swung up on the horse. And then the next time it was my turn, I was like, I want to stab my dagger into between their vertebrae and try and shatter the whole vertebrae and like <sighs> shatter the horse like that. And I rolled and it happened. And everyone was like, where did that come from? And I was like, I don't know. I read a lot of fantasy novels growing up and I really just wanted, I had this image in my head. I was like, I just wanted to explode this skeleton horse. It was so much fun. I'm like, literally, it was so much fun. That is such a great and like visceral image uh, too. Like I, I see the swinging up like uh, Legolas in uh, Lord <laughs> yes, of the Rings. exactly. And then, you know, smashing that vertebrae to have it fall all apart. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's what's so cool is having this thing that's in your head and describing it and then yeah. it pop, puts in everybody else's head at the same time. Yeah, it was so fun. And uh, it was just, I, I I was really excited too because it was such a good group of people. Like it was Anna and Jimmy and then Sarah was our DM and Sarah also created this character who used, she's created the the combat wheelchair and like the, the um, like there's like a sheet on how to use it and everything. And it was so cool because it was such a, a diverse group of people who created a diverse group of characters and to have that be my first experience uh was it was just so fun i was like this is like this is so cool like you could do anything in this world i mean obviously there are rules but like it's you can it's try just, anything yeah you could try anything and uh i don't know it was just it was awesome yeah so sarah thompson was your dungeon master i didn't yeah. realize that uh, yeah. that's great. We, we just, just had her on her. a few weeks ago Yes, Sarah was our DM, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so you you definitely had a great group of people to for your first Yes, I was experience. very I am so aware that I am very lucky with uh with what my first group was for for uh, D&D. But and Sarah was also awesome too because once again she was knew that it was my like absolute first time that I had never played the game and I had very minimal experience even watching or knowing any of the rules. So she was super uh, helpful in, in guiding me as well and um, being a bit more lenient as well, um, you know, with with what I we could and couldn't do and how we could move throughout the campaign. So it was really awesome. She was incredible. Yeah, that's that's good. There's Dungeon masters are special people anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a special skill to be a dungeon master for a first-time player. But I feel like there's yeah. just more pressure. And maybe this is just perceived, Greg, I'm not a dungeon master, but Greg is. So maybe you can answer that. But I would, playing with people who are new, I feel the pressure. I'm like, I really want them to like this game. Yeah. I really want them to have fun. I really want them to have a, a big success. Is that yeah. is that something you deal with, Greg, As a when you're DMing for new people? Or you're yeah. just like, whatever, you're going to fail. You're going <laughs> to fail. It, it runs the gamut, you know? You want to uh, encourage role play as much as possible, but also realize that there's a lot that needs to be balanced over the course of the game. And yeah. you don't want to give them too much focus because then it feels like you're hand-holding, but then you don't want to 
you know, throw them to the wolves and, you know, just be, oh, okay, yeah, you want to, you're, you're, you're a paladin and you want to sneak up and try to stab someone? Sure, all right. Yeah, you know, you want to encourage them to use, the, as, as you were saying, uh, Christina, use the skills of the character uh, that you're good at, right? Yeah. As much as possible and encourage ways like that. Um, but yeah, no, there is. I mean, it's similar to, you know, I've Dungeon Mastered a bunch of times and I'm just, you know, I have a little bit more stage fright than I think you do uh, in general. But um, when it's with a new player, you do, you get that little extra bit of like, oh, I want to make sure because I don't want to have this first impression be a bad one. I know. Well, we always hear a little story like people some oftentimes, Chrissy, you're kind of a, a, an outlier here, but a lot of yeah. times people will say, their first experience playing D&D wasn't, sometimes it wasn't great. Like the, either the group wasn't a good match for them or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. years and years pass and then they try it again and thankfully they have a better experience. So I don't want to be that dungeon master that <laughs> gives somebody that bad experience, I guess. I think part of it too was because we were playing it on stream, I really mm. wanted to like full send it and not be timid. Um, I think maybe actually, weirdly enough, if I was playing it in a more comfortable setting, that I might have been a little bit more reserved and like watched it play out with everyone else more, which then wouldn't have been as fun. So I, I think based on my first experience that just full sending as much as you can your first experience is the best way to do it. Of course, having a good group to full send with is really important, but if you full send, you, uh, you probably will have more fun. And if you mess up, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I said, Jimmy and, and Anna both tried things where, uh, and uh, where, uh, Sarah was kind of like, well, you know, you can't really do that. And, and it's, and they've been playing for years. So, yeah. um, I think like not being afraid of messing up is super important. Maybe that's the rock star in you too, a little bit too, where you're just like, I'm just going to do a balls to the wall, you know, yes. do this as much as possible and hope it lands. You know? Well, I was terrified, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to be that person that, like, the worst person I think in any situation in the world is, like, the person that's too cool and doesn't try, right? Like, mm -hmm. not, we never like that person. No one ever likes that person. The person's, like, like, afraid to try because they don't want to look stupid. So I was like, if I look stupid, then screw it. Like, you know what? At least I'll, I'll have like really like swung for the fences. So, and I ended up having a lot of fun. And then the second half of the campaign, when we did the second episode, I was way more confident to like try different things because I had, you know, kind of full sent it the first time and it, it was fun. And I kind of realized, oh, like this isn't, you, there's nothing to be scared of here. If you can't do something that's, you just literally can't do it, and that's it. You don't get kicked out of the group. You know? <laughs> it's not like, well, nope, you never are allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons again. Nope. You're done. Goodbye. Good night. Good try. Thanks for joining us, and uh, so long. Yeah. But no, we Trap welcome all crazy, crazy attempts. That's <laughs> that is what makes the game memorable, that's, right? That's like that. The, yes, those are the things I love. The crazy yeah. attempts. Me yeah. too. And it, who knows? You might just roll a twenty and pull it off. Yeah. yeah, we had a few nat 20s and it was like every time one of those happens, it was like everyone's like, wow, it's like so that's half the fun. And the second time there's so many like little things that start becoming really fun. Like the second time we played um, someone in uh, the Venn studio brought me their dice and they had these like really nice weighted die. And wow. I was like this is so satisfying. Like I need to get one of these now. Like, you know, like I was just like, I just want one. And there's those little things that just make it. Yeah. There's little things that make it so fun. And they were like really cool looking too. And I was like, wow, I need 
need to get myself a pair. That's I big. Now. They yeah. shared their dice with you? That's I know. I was so honored. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. I was like, okay, here we go. But, it, yeah, it was so fun. Virginia there's, Dice there, addict here. There's a there's stupid th- yeah there's stupid things like that where like we had like a camera like on me like rolling the dice like on my my hand and I was like oh god don't look at my bad rolls like you know just like little <laughs> extra things like that uh, but it was yeah it was so fun. So uh, you know you talked about that you're starting up a, a campaign. Uh, yes. What you know what, what are you thinking about playing in that? You know what 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 themes are are going to be used there? Do you think? So I don't know. So bear with me here, right? Because I'm really new still. So this might be, I'm, I, there, I don't know if there's like, I don't know much about the, the community and like how people feel about things like this. Like if there are purists and non-purists or what, what the vibes are. Well, now we I'm kinda, really interested. To hear we kind of want to do this. Like, so tell, tell, actually tell me, tell me if this is, if this is dumb. Um, I like, I had seen recently that there was like a rule book for like a Star Wars one. And uh, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and I love like the wizarding world and that kind of stuff. And so do all my friends. So my friends and I wanted to start off, like do a campaign that was kind of like wizarding world inspired. And Mm. that's kind of like, you know, where it was a little bit like magical and we all have like, we all create our wands and things like that. Um, But then I was like- That's dumb, that is super cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was like, but is there like purists like that are going to be like, no, like we do not Harry Potter D&D, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I think Harry, I mean, I think uh, Harry Potter is D&Ding, you know, uh, quite yeah. a bit there too. I mean, it's not like it, it was uh, created in a vacuum yeah. uh, of what fantasy is. And if everybody borrows things from each other. Okay. Uh, me personally, I think my taste, I would do something that's like, you know, adjacent or similar, but not exactly, exactly. in that world inspired so that you can mix it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Inspired by. So just like more of a, like a wizardy feeling. Um, yeah. Absolutely. There's no yeah. reason that you can't have your characters meet at a school like Hogwarts yeah. and yeah. I was inspired by one aspect of watching the Harry Potter movies over um, the uh, quarantine and pandemic with my kids. Uh, and how Dumbledore always uses his wand as a microphone. I was always oh, yeah. really <laughs> amazed by that. Like how he pointed it at his side and it, did, yeah. it looked weird and unnatural, but it also reminded me of Bob Barker, uh, oh, the old long school Prices Right, where he had the long stick <laughs> microphone. Yeah. And it also made me think about um, glam rock, like David Bowie, kind of yeah. you know early David Lee Roth type of stuff. So I created a character that was a mashup of all those inspirations uh and he's a bard who's a dual wielding wand sorcerer who uses his uh magic his illusionary magic for his stage show in Waterdeep and like has color sprays and things like going and pyrotechnics happening That's behind so him cool. right and I, and it's exactly what you're talking about it's like taking sort things from different sources and mm-hmm. mashing them up in a weird and interesting way that you're just excited to play uh, that's that's what all D and D characters come from. That is so cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. And then we, we ended up doing the uh, uh, the descent into Avernus campaign, and I was like, that's even more perfect, right? That it has this like hellscape uh, kind of thing, you know, like Ooh, the old school like album covers of of the seventies and 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 uh, some of the eighties, uh, you know, in there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, stretch the limits. I love that. I like that. I like the the very the the hellscape vibe. That's a cool vibe. I just finished watching uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, 
And that oh, was like, yeah. yeah, that was all like, there's like all the whole health thing going on there. So that's, that's a good time too. And there's magic there. So, hey, the wheels are turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a I lot. Like you can take inspiration from anyone. Yeah. And as being a real life bard, I mean, it feels, right? you know, like you could lend a lot uh, to playing that. I mean, I, I love when musicians, uh, you know, even if they're playing bards or anything, but just add the element of singing or music yeah. to the game. It's so interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So who is, is this a campaign you're going to play in or are you thinking about dungeon mastering? Oh, I don't, I could not no, DM. just play. Yeah, whoa, whoa, that's no, scary. Maybe, terrifying. maybe, maybe down Give her a few months at least, show. Terrifying. No, yeah, um, we're trying, I think we're trying to decide who we want to, because we have a friend who does DM, but we want him to play in the campaign with us. So um, we haven't uh, figured out who's going to DM yet. Um, but so my friends and I, yeah, we were talking about like, you know, just uh, they have campaigns that they do, this group, and uh, we were talking about, you know, just, starting a campaign for fun. And then I was like, what if we like live stream it? And then I'll like cut the highlights down for YouTube and like, you know, it'll like be fun. And like, we could do like a little series out of it. And like, um, and then they were like, oh my God, that'll be so fun. So yeah, I'm really excited to do it. I'm just like so pumped. I'm excited to see you do this. Uh, Thanks. What, are you, what are you thinking about in terms of character? Like, I don't gonna- know yet. Cause I think it depends on, we have to like narrow down the idea first. Um, I think I, I want to create a new character. I don't want to bring in my my other one because that was my first time creating a character. So now that I have a little bit better of an idea on how to like balance some of the uh, attributes and things like that, uh, I, I I definitely want to like you know start from scratch, start a new character. I know like we just we want to have a really good time with it. So we want to like be like like you know like cosplay while we're doing it every week and uh like really just like go full on um so I'm like I'm I'm just really really excited it's a really good group of people too um who are just like um we play games together every single night and uh we often are talking in like accents and voices and yelling and and just doing like being in character already so it's something that's like not going to be unnatural for all of us to just like fully commit to a character together. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Yeah, you have a leg up for sure, having been a, a League of Legends player, because, you know, that's five people having to work together to mm. accomplish a goal and everybody's got different skills and everything like that. That's, yeah. I mean, that's basically a little D&D party. You're being a little bit more competitive yeah. in it, but uh, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's what it yeah. is all about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Making sure there's more accents, that's all. More accents. There's always more accents that can be found. <laughs> and cosplay, that's that's going to be fun. Yes. I've never cosplayed before. So that's why I'm just like, I like trying everything, you know, because like I've met so many amazing cosplayers and I'm like, they're so talented and it's unbelievable. And I was talking like, you know, talking to Anna about it a bunch too, like before and after the show. And I was just like, this is such like a cool like merge of worlds. Um, so I was just like, I just want to do everything. Like I want to try everything and, and talk to everybody. And uh, it's just it's so cool. Like people are so talented too. It's insane. So for sure. oh, it's kind of along the lines of cosplay a little bit. Yeah. Obviously. I'm going to try to tie this in. Okay. Gre- Greg's going to be like, this is not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, so I kind of went down a YouTube rabbit hole of your makeup tutorials. <laughs> Oh, all like four. Oh my God, they're amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I think that if you, you know, talk about talented, like 
you're you're very talented in that oh, area as well. Thank you. Um, I also like pull my eye. When I apply eyeliner, because I don't know how else. And I was so glad to hear you say that. Yes. You're like, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm doing it because there's no other way to do it. There's, I like, can't, I'm just, I don't have that. Some people have that. I just no. don't have that. And they're like, you're going to have wrinkles when you're older. And I'm like, I'm probably going to have them either way. So, you know, yeah. might as well have a good time it's gonna, now. It's going to happen. And yeah. yes, you even said at least my eyeliner is going to look good. Exactly. So um, maybe like the more, you know, you get into D&D, like we, yeah. we can do a little like, this is like the palette for the rogue or something or something, you know, yeah. for wizards. What would a wizard look like as they go out for for yeah. nighttime adventuring versus daytime adventuring that kind of yeah thing. i love i also like i die i dove deep into like a special effects makeup hole a few years ago oh fun. um and i loved doing special effects makeup i didn't actually ever make up like any videos but i have some photos of them um so i would love like if one of my characters gets like attacked or something the next time i show up oh like a God. big slash like i am oh, you know cool. i am i'm i'm a very full send person i'm a very that's full commit person super so. cool like yeah. scars like you know if they had yeah. like an actual that's like you know part of their their backstory and all yeah, like, I have like that. a mysterious scar yeah. down my face, and it's like clearly the story contributes to my character, but like, like it takes time to unearth the story. A lightning bolt on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the boy who lives. I am the boy. My never been done one before. Of my, that's one of my favorite things to yell when I'm playing League of Legends. If I ever um, escape, like and barely get out of a fight, and like still manage to live, I just start yelling, "I am the boy who lives." And so, yeah, that's uh, that. That would be accurate. That would be good. Uh, I love the idea of doing it in like as the the session is going on too. So like, if you're like, oh, your character took like you know thirty points of damage, then you're like, all right, I got to make sure I'm toughening myself up and make it look like I got and beat yeah. up. For, uh, yeah, that would, wow, this is great. Is this, wait, I, is this a development session? Yeah, or we're like, brainstorming what, What's going on? Like, I am We're inspired, You've inspired us. We're so excited. This um, is great. I love one this. One time, I know I've told the story before on Dragon Talk, but one time I was going to do, I was on a stream when we were at mm-hmm. GaryCon, and I was playing a tabaxi, and everybody was a bard because they were all super talented singers. And me, yeah. which I just told you, I do not sing, and I'm really not that talented. Um, so I decided, <laughs> I was playing a tabaxi, so I was going to, I went to a face painter. <laughs> So I wanted my face to like be like cool cat, like a tabaxi, yeah. but she gave me like full on like four year old girl kitty face. Oh no! <laughs> and I had to show up to my game. <laughs> that's so good though. I love that. But that's exact. Yes, I feel that what you were going for is is I I spiritually relate to that. <laughs> you were trying to do a full send, and you were not. I did. <laughs> And it was you like return to sender. Sorry, <laughs> you, you full, you full sent. It just yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. it just went. You it know? went to the wrong address. Like yeah. it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You're like I showed up. And there was like a ladybug on one cheek and a, <laughs> and a sun on the other. But it makes a great story. So, I mean, it was full. Like go to the zoo, get your four year old's face painted, whiskers. <laughs> yes, like the little like. White oh, little cheek and like the, the white, little button oh. mouth. Yeah, like the cheeks. And did you see it while it was happening at all? No, or was that's it like the thing. you had no idea till the end? No, and it was literally like doing it. I'm like, oh, I hope I have time. Okay, yes, hurry up. But like, do the kitty face and then I'm going to go right to my game, which was yeah. being live 
streamed, and I had, there was no time, no time. To Wait, so there's evidence of this online? It is out there. Oh, I love this. I love yes. that. We've yes. actually even had guests who were in that game who were like, "Wait, that was you?" Yes. I was like, "Oh, oh I'm so embarrassed." Yeah, I remember that game we played, and he was like, "I've never played D and D with you." I'm like, "Oh, that was the cash." I was, I was, and they were like, "Oh, the." He was like, "Oh, I thought that was like a six-year-old girl. I didn't know that was it." <laughs> <laughs> it was such a complete yes. transformation. It, it was. was. I, I really, that. I transformed. But, you did it. But I was committing to my tabaxi yeah. character. So. I feel it. I believe. You know, anyway, I think That's that so you good. could probably do a lot better with makeup than I know. I love that. That's great. So, all right. So when are we doing the stream? I'm excited. Let's go. Let's get I'm, it. Let's I'm, I'm so I'm excited. In. This is a great idea. I'm like very, like you, like you think I'm joking, but this will actually happen. No, I'm, I, I believe it. And um, yes, I want you to, to play more D&D because clearly you've been bit by the bug and you need more D&D in your life. Yes, I do. I do. I'm like so excited. I, I literally cannot wait. And then on top of all of this D&D, uh, the streams and um, the guest house show and all that. So you are still in a band. Yes. Yeah. And you, you are still putting out music. Yep. Yes. Yes. And something um, new so, happening soon? Yeah. So we have a new song coming out um, in just a few weeks. Um, and we it's going to be released with a video. And this is... Uh, my favorite music video that we've ever filmed. So I'm so excited to release this video and this song. This song we actually wrote, um, it's the first song we wrote when the lockdown started. Um, So it's actually, we've had this in our back pocket for over a year now. And so it'll be pretty crazy, or about a year now. Um, It'll be pretty crazy to finally release it because Um, We had started writing new music right before the lockdown. And then all of a sudden the lockdown hits and everyone was like, you know, the whole music industry was like, well, we don't know what to do. We're all just on vacation now, I guess, you know, we're just, everyone was put on pause. Um, But we were like, no, we have to keep writing. So I had never ran my own recording software before. I had never used recording software before since I was like, I, when I was a teenager, but I had lost that because from not using it for like a decade, um, and, and I'm sure the software got updated and changed. Very different. Right? I use a whole different program now. I was using Pro Tools back in the day, and this time I used Logic for my DAW. Um, I had very minimal equipment, so I had to like order all the like mics and cables and in a, a new interface and all this stuff to set up a home studio because I, which I had never had to have before, and. Uh, we did it though. And this was, you know, I think the first week of quarantine, we're like, our producer and I were like, let's just get on Zoom and see what we can do. You know, it it might be terrible because no one knows how, no one had been doing video writing sessions. Now we do everything over a video conference, right? Now it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's nothing uh, you can't do over, over Zoom. But at the time we had never, like people did not write over Zoom. It was really unnatural. You like to be in a room. I like to walk around. I like to like, just sing out into the air and like, you know, someone's playing it, the track over the speakers and things like that. And uh, writing over Zoom is a very different workflow because someone can't just play it. There's a little bit of that delay and uh, there's just all these different like obstacles. And this song came out like the very first time we wrote together over Zoom. And it was like, oh, we can do this. Like we can make this work. Like we can do something. So um, seeing this song actually come out is, is super, uh, it's super fulfilling because it was just, you know, there was so much fear and uh, 
I don't even know how to describe it, just uncertainty during that time. So having this song just be born is, is really, really, really exciting. That's great. I mean, there's been, you know, a couple of albums that have come out over the last year that have been made this way. You know, I I watched the Taylor Taylor Swift documentary about folklore. That's been like in the rotation of a whole bunch as well as I just got into Weezer's album, which definitely feels of the moment. Uh, And, you know, some of those lyrics just feel like, oh crap, yeah, that's that's what I'm feeling right now. And Mm -hmm. so it is not a good time, obviously, you know, and no one's really excited about all this, but it is interesting to me that perhaps more than any other art form, the musicians and the music world has embraced we're in this emotional moment right now. Yeah. Let's freaking talk about it and sing about it and 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 get the music out about what is going on for everyone. And uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, this uh I don't know if this song is exactly exact gonna be of that same emotional ilk, but I just love the fact that you had to pull in all of those um, you know, at home studio things to be able to make it happen. Yeah. And, uh, honestly, um, I'm the better for it too. Like now I can record my own vocals with confidence and, uh, with a great deal of proficiency. Whereas before I was a deer in headlights. So I think there is a blessing in all of this as well. And uh, a really great learning experience too. So am I happy there was a global pandemic and there still (laughs) continues to be absolutely not, but uh, I guess it's one of those when life gives you lemons uh, type thing. And I am very happy to have my lemonade. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And drink it too. And mm-hmm. drink it, yeah. Uh, interesting that you say about the uh, music and that hearing songs that are, you know, written during this time or inspired by this time is kind of comforting. But mm-hmm. when I see anything about COVID in my TV, like, because I, I watch a lot of reality TV. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff was filmed like while this was ramping up or during. Yeah. I don't want to see it. Like, no. It's like, yeah. no, too close to home. I don't want to see people living through that March, April period of like, this, yes. of like when it, things were like ramping up. But I think, but music is different because so much of it is subjective. And it's like, you know, depending like on the mood I'm in, a song will be completely different even if the song that I've heard a million times before. So I don't. Also I, more I, metaphorical. Yeah. Too. Not so much like I, I, I there are some analogies that I think the music world has had to abandon. Like, you know, people love the analogy of like wearing a mask, like to conceal <laughs> your who you are. And now I'm like, I can literally never use that analogy again. You know, I can never use that as a metaphor ever again. Like just instantly triggered as soon as I hear that. Um <laughs> And so it is the rest of the globe. Um, but yeah, there are just ways to capture emotions rather than capture specificities like you know I I never want to hear the words quarantine or like that kind of thing (laughs) or like even just like isolation I'm like ah just a little too specific for me right now so yeah yeah don't need to hear it but capturing those emotions um is very comforting too and it's something that music does does probably better than a lot of other forms of art right because I mean you know even gaming you know I there's no chance I'm going to be as a dungeon master being like, all right, there's a plague happening. Uh, what are we going to do? And, you know, I won't be able to use that for 10 years, you know, uh, no, without yeah. uh, it, it triggering back those moments, unless it's like, you know, deliberately what the, the campaign is about. Um, yeah. Same thing with movies and TV and even theater, you know, like I yeah. don't really see uh, that right now, you know, maybe as a yeah. period piece. People don't might want it right now. No. They don't want it right Think now. Think of it. They're like, no, no more. I was watching um, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, and yeah. At, yeah, at one point, awesome. the um, 
you know, the old mistress of the house is sick and she's like coughing. Yeah. And I was like sitting there like wildly <laughs> uncomfortable. Like I, I can't yes. listen to this woman in the 1800s coughing right now. Yep. Yeah. That's also so very like, I was like, <laughs> yep. and they're like in the room with her without masks on. And I'm like, just like sweating profusely sweating. Like, I'm like, this is not relaxing. And then, you know, you have like the people that are like hating on like Emily in Paris. Cause it's like this, like just bubbly light, like happy. And I'm like, no, please. I just want to watch that's that. What we that's all I want to watch. I'm like, give me the most unrealistic, cheesy, like rom, like rom commy, like nothing to do with reality. Even in that show, they they say like the word influencer, and I was like, like yeah. I was like, I don't, yeah, I don't want anything. I think that's why everyone liked Bridgerton because it was yeah. like a period piece had yeah. nothing to do with anything that we're going through. Like they must nothing. Have, they had a character that was coughing and, you know, tuberculosis with like the blood spots on it. And they're like, no, we like, cut it out. We don't cut need that. that right no, now. No, no, no. They were like, nah, nah, too much, too much. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. yeah. That's like that, what happened in that other show. I was like, no, Mm-mm. no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. No coughing. I think we but, had a similar reaction when we were watching the Bly Manor house. Yeah. yeah. I cannot see people sick, coughing, gasping no, for breath. Just, oh. Yeah. Nope. I was like, oh God. I was like, and they're like, she has the lung. And I was like, it's called COVID. <laughs> I've got the COVID black lung pop. Call it by its name. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh God. That was like, it was so, I was like, all right, let's get to fast forward through all the coughing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm excited about new music uh, that you're coming Thank out you. with. Uh, and I love that, you know, you kind of DIY'd it and made it, uh, you know, uh, yourself. I think that's pretty much a metaphor for what everybody has had to do uh, yeah. in working from home in in this pandemic. And it's awesome that you're able to can, kind of continue that work as well as, you know, uh, have this newfound love of, of Dungeons and & Dragons and, and spinning that up. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm so excited. Well, excited to see what you do next um, in this campaign, this, this stream that's going to happen. Thank it's you. I'm so by excited. Harry Potter, Star Wars, whatever. I We are here for everything. it. We'll yeah. sprinkle everything. I think oh, yeah, that's cool. That's you, a cool idea. You're getting into uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Oh. My friends and I want to start um, a Baldur's Gate campaign as well. So uh, a different group of friends, actually one of my bandmates and his and his gaming group. Um, so I think it's it's in like groups of four or something. And they were like, we need a fourth. And I was like, here I am. <laughs> nice. Did you play any of those uh, old school video games? Or is this no, gonna be your first? I've never played any Baldur's Gate. So I'm like, that's why I'm really excited. I am. I am such. Yeah. Like I said, I really like to just dive head first. So. Yeah, I can't wait to see when that's uh, game's in full release, and you're getting people who are you know multiplayering together, yeah. having some of that, you know, maybe some experience with D and D from the past, but also then yes. bringing it forward or being right, you know, new to it. They've added Larian has added so much amazing stuff. I just yeah. uh, saw about how the druid is in the game now, and you know, so many folks love that uh, uh, nature. The spellcastery uh, yeah. type thing, 100%. and so there's tons of stories to tell there. I'm personally waiting for the bard as well. I'm so excited. We got to get a bard in there. Yeah, right. I just <laughs> want to be able to sing on stream so that everyone just can annoy, sing. you know, be annoyed with my <laughs> uh, really bad singing voice as well, Shelley. It's fantasy. That. In fantasy, you have a wonderful voice. Oh, yeah, they can't tell you it's bad because no. you're like, no, 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 it's good, it's good. That's mm-hmm. my character. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was the best part about playing that character I mentioned was because I, I, I didn't have anything in my back pocket to start singing when I was doing a performance yeah. uh, in game. And it didn't matter because I could just roll a die and be like, all right, uh, yeah, I got a, you know, 25 performance check. So it rocked the house. It, didn't it was matter. great. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, you can't say anything. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish I could do that for my regular shows. If only it was that easy. Just roll a die. It'll be fine. Yes, that'll be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for being here and talking through everything. Your enthusiasm is infectious, and I hope uh, people uh, listening and watching uh, get as excited to jump into D&D like it was their first time. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you having me on. I was so excited to get to come hang out with you guys today. Yeah, we're excited Um, too. And we mentioned the song. Uh, where can people find out about it, and and you know, uh, you know, hopefully get the the album or whatever when it comes out. Yeah. So if you follow um, Against the Current on Instagram or uh, or on Twitter um, or our website atcofficial.com, all the info will be there. I often swim against the current. Yes. <laughs> this whole past year has been against the current. It's it has true. been. It really has been. It's been an upstream year. Definitely. Good. Good job naming that band. Thank you. <laughs> we we thought about about COVID, you know, yeah. ten years ago Future. when we named it. Future we were seven. ready for it. You divined it. It's all <laughs> been in the stars this whole time. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Go follow uh, against the current, and uh, I can't wait to hear about your your new campaign. Thank you so much. I'm excited. I wasn't joking. My face does hurt from speaking to her. I was laughing and smiling so much. Look, okay, she is a true delight. She is just a wonderful, just a great, you can just feel the the good energy. And I'm sorry, but I had to bring up the makeup thing because I really did spend, I don't know, hours watching her makeup tutorials. <laughs> and they're Why amazing. Why would you be sorry? That's, that's, I, I love I know, geeking like, out about everything. That's just, that's just another yeah. fun thing to geek out about. She is just very, very, very talented. And Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, think about the amount of time that people spend painting miniatures right to get yeah and to look exactly the same that's exactly what makeup is except you're just painting your face your face is your miniature uh i haven't learned i mean like i watched but i wasn't able to incorporate anything um that i learned from those videos i'm really not just you should start a how to makeup segment uh and talk to people for about two years before you think about before i apply liquid eyeliner (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm ready to try nope nope Going back to the cream eyeliner. Yeah. You're like, uh, you know, a century from now when you're as old as the lady from, uh, from Titanic, you'll be like, I can finally do it now. But I can't reach my eye. Uh. <laughs> my my Cause, arms cause are not long enough. When you get older, your arms shrink. I don't know if you're aware of that. I told you I have hag in my blood. I got the hex blood and it makes your arm shrink. <laughs> I don't we'll have to confirm that with Wes. I don't know if that's I don't true. Think that's canon, but I, I I'm gonna say it is right now. That you, you get like Tyrannosaurus. Yes, arms you get T Rex arms. I can't apply my eyeliner. The, and that's the important part is that not that about casting spells or being able to carry anything. They're like, I just can't or, or do the makeup yourself. anymore. No. I just can't do it, my liquid liner. Well, I guess they would be able to use a mage hand. I guess well, has anyone ever thought that you know, uh, uh, any wizard who wants to apply eye makeup can do so with a mage hand. Well, okay, how would, would this work? Does your mage hand have to be talented? Do you have five, to like roll to for for our 
artistry? It can or? do anything, and it can pick up stuff that's less than ten pounds. I think right. so. Every makeup brush or tool is less than ten pounds. So uh, that's amazing. And now I want someone. This is a call out to the to the community. Someone create an amazing piece of art of a wizard or spellcaster applying difficult to apply makeup using mage hand, maybe even multiple mage hands. I don't know. This okay. I, I have an image and I want, so I want yes. it to be now, large. I'm getting an image of like a celebrity, you know, when they have like the, yeah. all the makeup people around, but it's just like a bunch of mage hands. One holding out hair, curling iron, applying the makeup, spritz, spritz, fixing, you know, the dress, whatever. I like it. That is so cool. Uh, I know there's so many talented uh, artists out there. If you make this, definitely tag us in. I would love to sing it from the rooftops. And I would so really cool. love a makeup mage hand. I actually just want someone to do like the, now the special effects of, of a makeup tutorial where they're not actually doing it themselves. It's With actually the just hand? disembodied like puppet hands yeah. doing it for them. There's how we contour. Yes. <laughs> And it's like, oh my God, that, that's something dystopian about that. And I love it. I love it too. Well, uh, speaking of where you can tag us when you create that amazing piece of artwork, uh, I am at Greg Tito on Twitter, underscore Tito on the gram. <laughs> but Greg underscore Tito, not just underscore Tito. I know, I'm, sh- I'm shortening it because oh. that's what all the kids do. Okay, um, right. Um, I'm Shelly Moo on, on Twitter and the gram. Why do I feel so old when I say that? <laughs> Is it my little T-Rex arms? It's a T-Rex arms. The gram. Mini King type to update my pulse. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Going off the rails. Um, That's what we do here. Yes. Uh, very exciting. You can follow all the Dungeons & Dragons things at wizards underscore D&D, both on Twitter and the gram. Uh, DungeonsAndDragons.com is totally brand new. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Tons of fun. It'll be even more updates as the months go on, but certainly worth checking out. And Dragon Plus, new issue, all about Candlekeep Mysteries and uh, some wonderful previews for Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is out now in this issue. One more thing, because I just saw thing. the email come in. The D&D newsletter. Sign it up. Sign up for the D&D newsletter because you're also going to start getting some really cool stuff in there that maybe other people don't. And I know that there is uh, a really awesome uh, recipe in there from our friends at Heroes Feast. So um, if you are looking for ways to spice up your game nights or just any night and you want to do some D&D inspired food or cocktails... Heroes Feast is awesome, um, but they have been gracious enough to provide newsletter subscribers with some cool recipes and tips. So get in there. It just landed in my inbox, and I'm very Beef excited. tips, I'm hoping, are involved in that as well. Beef that tips? Recipe, because they're delicious. Everybody who likes meat likes beef tips. They're, it's my brother's favorite food. Oh, well, see, there you go. Uh, I'm sure there's vegan beef tips out there somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. With some firm tofus. That would actually be delicious as long as it's seasoned the same way. Yeah, be great. why not? Do it. Throw it. Thank you for all those shout-outs. And now it is time for Drunky Two-Shoes and Daryl Two-Shoes uh, to make their way into the city of Waterdeep. Finally. Yes, uh, they've been reunited. They were uh, deposited on the shores. Uh, they had a brief conversation with a farmer who was on his way into... Uh, the city. Um, 
but I think you opted not to travel with him. Is that correct? Yeah, we did. We said no. I, I, I felt okay. I thought I felt creepy, but uh, probably should have done an insight check. It's fine. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so you guys are strolling. Uh, there are a lot more. Um, you know, people on the road, uh, you've many more than you've seen over the last uh, few weeks, uh, for sure. And by, you know, midday or, or, or after a few hours of traveling on this road going to Waterdeep, it becomes a deluge. There are just so many people moving in and out of the city. This is one of the largest population centers uh, that you've ever been in. Um, has, uh, and Daryl says, when's the last time you were... In a city like this, years. No, I think I no. I was in Waterdeep because, or I was somewhere. I swear I was in Waterdeep. Isn't that how I got on the boat in the first place? Maybe, maybe that's where you were uh, uh, imbibing a lot. Yeah, um, but memory doesn't work as, as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I met a, a mother and her child, and I gave them money. The kid was looking at me, and she helped me out with something. I, I think I've. My, I, I go in and out of cities, you know. My my travels were to try to find you have taken me all over the place there also. Yeah. Understood. Well, we need to make our way through, oh, oh, bumping through all these people and get to uh, the dock ward. Hold my uh, paw, Daryl. I don't want to lose you. Of course. And he reaches out his paw, and it is a very nice kind of touching moment as the two of you, uh, it's almost like going through a concert, you know, mm-hmm. it's super full of people. No one's really impeding your way on purpose but there's just like a mass of uh of of humanity and uh, elvendom and dwarvendom and tabaxidom uh, uh all trying to get in um and a fair amount of trying to get out this is almost like a rush hour uh situation but eventually after some consternation uh you make it through the gates uh the guards you know, are are keeping a visual outlook, but they're not necessarily checking people, and and uh, there doesn't seem to be any uh, suspicious activity uh, for them right now. So they let you through, uh, and then you're in the city of Waterdeep proper. Um, there is a distinct odor as you know the mass of all these people starts to overwhelm you. The refuse on the on the on the curbs, uh, as well as some salt air coming from. Uh, one direction, and that's where uh, Gerald says, yes, we must go this way. Mm. Okay. You can always tell where the dock ward is uh, from the smell of rotting fish. Mm, yes, I love that smell. Mm, me too. Mm. Reminds me of home. It is. It is. Kibbles and bits and bits and bits. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you make it to a tavern. It is called uh, the Bag and Beholder. And, Did you just uh, make that up? It's got a uh, picture of a uh, beholder coming out of a bag, almost like a cat coming out of a bag. Uh, So it seems like a weird little pun joke. Mm. Uh, And uh, Daryl says this, yes, I I was told uh, if I said the proper words uh, that I might be able to meet someone here. Okay. You sure this is a safe place? For I'm cats? not sure it's a safe place, uh, but it, nonetheless, it is uh, the only lead I have on in contacting my organization. Okay, well, do you know the word? <laughs> I do. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, why? Why do you ask? Are we going? Of course. Yes, we're we're standing here out front. Why wouldn't we go in? Okay. 
Why are you nervous? Just feel weird. Can I do an insight check now? Uh, sure. Um, I don't know if insight's the right thing, though. Who, who are you uh, yeah. looking at to try to get insight into? Uh, I guess not necessarily. I don't think I want to do an insight check. I want to maybe a perception check. Perception check. Yeah, yeah sure. Check it out. Oh, I got a 17 without, uh, so 20. Nice. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you, uh, you know, give like a hand up or something to Daryl as you do like a look around and trying to see uh, if there's any danger. Um, and this looks like a middle of the road tavern. You know, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a dive bar, but it's certainly not uh, high class uh, or high end by any means. Uh, the sign itself uh, well, it's, you know, you can certainly tell what the, uh, what is being depicted. The paint is flaking a little bit and it needs a touch up. Um, inside, you can tell it's kind of got those open shutters. Um, so most of the interior is visible from the street. Um, has tables and chairs, uh, again, kind of worn, but not necessarily broken or run down in any way. Uh, behind the counter is a portly man, you know, about, uh, not super tall, maybe like five, two or so. Uh, and he's polishing a glass mug. Um, and looks like he's kind of doing all of the, you know, dusting of the glassware behind the bar. Um, and there are three individuals inside uh, that you can tell. Two of them are two gnomes who are uh, kind of quietly breaking bread uh, and uh, sharing a mug of ale. And the third person is a elf, uh, or at least that's what you think at first glance uh, with their pointed ears, but um, their ears uh, are not quite, uh, you know, as pointy. Uh, so you think it might also be a, well, actually with your perception roll, you can tell uh, that it's a half health. Okay. And it's sitting alone. Um, and perusing the Waterdeep Wazoo paper. Oh, okay. Newspaper in front of him. Okay. No, and we just walk in. Nobody's looking at us weird. They're just. You're glad you're not, you're not inside it. You're outside kind of looking through the windows because you wanted to kind of perceive what was going on in there. Uh, smells wise, it's certainly, uh, of an odor. It doesn't look like there is, uh, you know, um, much other here, uh, you know, besides, they don't have a kitchen per se, but they do have like bread and 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 uh, uh, cured meats and and that and cheeses and that type of things. Um, but you're not smelling like soups or boiling um, things being prepared from this particular tavern. Uh, although you do smell lots of other stuff from carts being baked uh, around. And uh, as far as what you can hear, I'm going for all the senses. Mm-hmm, yeah, I like it. Uh, you hear, uh, you know. Newsies, uh, uh, you know, town criers talking about kind of the things. It's really a little bit far for you to kind of discern exactly what they're saying, but you can hear yelling uh, as well as just the general murmur of uh, a busy street uh, and a few uh, bells ringing, uh, which you assume are closer to the docks uh, themselves signaling, uh, you know, uh, arrivals or departures of, um, you know, major shipping ships coming in. Okay, it's kind of amazing. Um, all right, I mean, it feels like seems okay. Pretty nothing out of the ordinary. Shall we go in? 
All right, Errol? I'm glad it uh, passes your muster. Just looking out for us. You know, I, I, it really has been a long time since we've been together. I don't think you would have been so cautious before imbibing in the past. Okay, you're the one who has like some weird secret society that you're now attached to. So excuse me for thinking that's a little bit weird. And I lost you once and I'm not going to lose you again. So yeah, I'm a little overprotective. I appreciate that, big sister. (laughs) I'm merely making fun of you because your name is Drunky and you were nervous about going into a tavern. Yeah, I am now. But I have a flask with me at all times, so it's not like I need to go to this tavern. (laughs) That's my sister! And he kind of claps you (laughs) in the back uh, a little bit. And uh, the two of you go inside. And we'll pick it up from there. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, might method, I might method. I might method. Let's keep doing more uh, more of these uh, rapid fire sessions. They're so fun. Thanks, Jelly. Thank you. That's Dragon Talk. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Mwah. 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 <laughs> Mwah. <laughs> Mwah.